Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Two Temples is a podcast where I, Shay Kamerchka, talk to real people about real psychedelic experiences. We discuss how these experiences have helped us learn lessons and overcome personal issues. My goal is to help end the stigma surrounding psychedelics. You can help by sharing this podcast with your friends and on social media. I believe we can undo the decades of lies about psychedelics and expose their healing potential by sharing story after story until the truth is undeniable. This is part two of three, and it starts with Catherine Kelly sharing a few of her ayahuasca stories. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure to check that out first and subscribe to the show to hear more. Thanks again to Catherine for opening up and sharing your experiences. If you have a comment or anything you'd like to share on the podcast, please email me at twotemplespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy. I want to hear about your ayahuasca. Like, I've, I've never experienced it, and I'd sort of like to hear what the experiences are like. Um... Well, again, gosh, it's like, I don't know that there is as much of an average ayahuasca experience. Um, They can be, gosh, so incredibly different just within the same group of people. Well, can you just Uh, walk me through one or two of them? So you drink, we would drink, lay down, not really as much lay down. They would like you to sit up as much as possible. So you kind of kind of stay in that moment and not... Fall, fall asleep or whatever <laughs> and um, and I would say probably within 10-15 minutes you um, and something that I think most people will see is just the most incredibly brilliant bright flashes of light that become that geometric scene that you often you know see in people who paint after ayahuasca experiences it is like a wonderful kaleidoscope you know, and then from there, then it could start for me again going into just some weird. Um, I had one, um, my most kind of horrific scene was just it was like so we were in a campsite, we were inside, it was a very large room, and there are probably 25, maybe 30 people can, you know, including all of the. Um, support the shamans and their assistants and such. Okay. And I had more of a feeling, not as much of a visual, but a little bit of just being attacked. The whole place being packed, everybody killed. Oh. And then, how was I going to call someone? Am I going to call police? Can I tell them how to get here? <laughs> and like, it, was a whole thing. it was a crazy thing. And then, all of a sudden, that went away. So that's that part that you know, I think we always go through. There's that veil of fear, and then a thing happens. <laughs> and so my thing was all of a sudden, and it feels very different too. It feels like you're there. That other stuff was stuff you were looking at like a crazy nightmare. This is like, I'm here. And there were aliens, grays, kind of surrounding me. I was laying back, and it was like they were removing something from my uterus, let's say, and walking away with it. And I thought, and of course, I'm conscious in my mind, of, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going, oh, what is that? <laughs> I wasn't pregnant, <laughs> you know? I'm 50-something years old. I'm sure I wasn't pregnant. What, what are you taking? <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden, boom, there I am, back on my mat, awake, you know, back conscious in the room. And I thought... That is just the oddest fucking thing. And I 
did wonder. I was like, well, I was probably towards the end of um, menopause or what they call perimenopause because menopause is when you're done. So I was probably around that, and I was like, is that, is this a metaphor for me coming to the end of that? Is that what that was? And chatting with people the next day, two or three other people had had gray alien experiences that same night. That's wild. So in very, you know, very different ways. So I thought that was um, a very unique experience. I had a couple, several that it was just seemed turmoil. The whole time just seemed like a lot of turmoil, and I didn't really go anywhere but felt a lot of low vibrational feelings still um, purging. And I will say that while a lot of people, you know, most people will, of course, purge by vomiting, one can also purge diuretically. <laughs> and I purge a lot in that direction. Okay. So, so that's has a big lack of fun to it because you can get settled on your mat and then all of a sudden you have to find your way to a bathroom. Yeah. And, and then you can come out of there for a couple minutes and go, okay, I'm good, and you're not, and then it's back. And at a certain point, I think you have to wonder, what, I've been on this dieta for a week. <laughs> I've eaten an ounce of food a day. <laughs> Where is this shit coming from? Why won't it stop? So that's kind of a, a weird thing. And, well, that's um, amazing, though. That's like, you can tell it's doing something then. It has to be, because otherwise, how your body can con just continue to produce like that is... Um, it is amazing. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of those like um, those pads that you stick to the bottom of your feet, and they're supposed to like pull out all the all the black. Oh, yeah. You know, right, it right. sort of feels like, or it sounds like that, where it it's sort of a gradual over time thing. But with the purging, you're able to see it, like when you peel off that that pad, and you see it's all there. Right. So. Right. So another time, the, my other, my last time I did it, I was, um, some things that I thought were interesting, um, went into it, you know, you've got your closed eyes, visuals, and then I, again, I kind of stay, that hyper-consciousness, when you have a childhood, when you don't know what's going to happen, and you never know what could happen, and it could be bad. And so it's kind of like you're you're living in that uh, fight or flight situation all the time. All always time. on edge. Always, always ready. Always yeah. ready to go. Got paying attention. So it's kind of hard, and that's something you know I'm certainly working on is being able to trust a situation enough you know, where you can feel comfortable to just relax and <laughs> let go. And even if I'm with people I trust, it's just still, this is such an ingrained feature in in my um, unconsciousness, my subconsciousness, that um, I'm still working on getting past that. So I find that when I go to the bathroom, a lot of times I'll have more experience there because all of a sudden you're alone. And I guess maybe that's a more trusting situation, <laughs> being alone. <laughs> and, um, so I was in the restroom, and there was just this incredible – I thought for sure 
rockets were taking off outside. Just the <laughs> noise and the rush and the vibration. I could just, the, everything was vibrating as if that were happening. And then all of a sudden, it became completely peaceful, dead silent. But I was then a child in my bedroom, you know, probably four or so years old with my father sitting on the bed and my mom leaving the room and closing the door. And at that moment, I said to my, my other part of my brain said, you know, you, you can't deal with this right now. You're fucking sitting on the toilet. There's one bathroom. <laughs> Somebody's going to be here needing to use this bathroom and you need to get it together. And so I made a good way. So I think that was probably more of a defense. Once again, it was a defense me mechanism where my brain goes, are you sure? Are you sure you're ready to deal with this? And I might have been ready had I actually just been on my mat. <laughs> but I did feel that, oh, my gosh, now here I am taking up this space. And I don't know if this is the place for this. <laughs> so, at that point, I said, well, maybe my brain's quite not not quite ready for this. So let me step back. I'm going to work with mushrooms for a while. And and then I'm going to, I really am, I'm hoping for, again, this psychedelic therapy where I can have, I like the idea of the MDMA therapy where you have somebody you've spoken to beforehand, and then you have, you know, two therapists there, and they do your trip therapy, and then you have aftercare after that. Um, at least according to MAPS, I would attended a talk um, by a clinician from MAPS, and she was explaining how their trials are going, and that's the basic setup that they were going to have. So I kind of like the idea of that, and I wish we could hurry up and get that going here too. You know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like one of the big things that is beneficial about um, psychedelics without having therapy is it or having a therapist to talk to in a way is it sort of takes away that other person aspect and it just sort of gets you right into the core but I definitely understand the especially for the after part of just like talking about it and and having you know somebody that knows what they're talking about sort of not feed ideas, but just sort of maybe ask questions that needed right. to be asked. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. But to, yeah, to kind of help guide, you know, your um, integration, not tell you how to integrate, but just kind of that help in guiding that. Yeah, because I, I feel like your body knows how to do it. It's just, it, it's got to sort of remember how over all these like traumas and stuff it just has to get into itself relearn itself right uh, that's what I, I i feel for for myself anyway i just a lot of my traumas i don't know how much i would benefit from talking to somebody else but at the same time i haven't so i don't know what that experience would be like right and certainly, um, when I was younger, I had seen therapists, even as even as a teenager. But I found it completely. Um, I, I did not find it useful at all at that point. But at this point now, I feel like it might be helpful if you were working with someone you know who is experienced with psychedelics. I feel like um, 
it might be more helpful at this point. Because I've done a lot of self-healing. Right. You know, on my own. And so. so with this um, washroom trip where you're yeah. sort of in another... You said you're sort of in a memory almost, right? Where you're sitting on the bed and... And it's in a memory, but it's very, but it's like being there. It's like yeah, it feels real. I would say more like a lucid dream where you're you're there in that situation. And you, you and said, I believe, sorry, go ahead. No, I believe it. It would have gone on, except the that other part of my brain that stays a little more aware of what's going on outside of me said, "Hey, this isn't the place to do that." Yeah, and instead so, of just wanted to get out of there. And it was done. So then, by by the time I got back to my mat, <laughs> um, that that was gone. Okay. You know? And were you able to pick up on that? I assume that was a trauma that you're that, going back on? Yes. Um, were you able well, to... I believe, I believe that's where it was headed. Yeah. Well, that, so- and, that sounds like where it was headed. From, yeah. from my perspective. And so, no, I have not gotten back to that at all. But you've been and doing mushrooms since? I've had, yeah, just one macrodose. And it's kind of funny because I didn't really, again, you know, people talk about a lot about getting messages or getting guidance, you know, when they're in these psychedelic states. And that has not really occurred for me. Um, not that I'm looking for that. I'm open to whatever, you know, I do. Um, I go into any journey with um, an intention um, for love, for healing, things of that nature. And this, my macro trip was certainly, um, I, I don't know where it went. <laughs> I, when I came out of whatever that um, intense part where you're just in your brain, there was nothing, there was no memory of anything there. But um, it was great. It was good. Some laughing, crying, all that. But then, really, I've just microdosed since then, and was going to do uh, another macro trip on my birthday this year, but I was here. Okay. away from my family and so that just wasn't going to work out so i'm looking forward to that you know when i get back so what dose do you do for a macro and then what are your micro dose doses you know <laughs> i feel like i have become more sensitive since the ayahuasca and okay. i did uh probably about three grams and maybe a little bit more um, but lemon teched it. Okay. And so it came on very hard and fast. <laughs> so I think that maybe I will step down from that. I will okay. probably still lemon tech it because um, uh, mushrooms do tend to upset my stomach on a long come up. So I like the shorter come up of lemon teching it. But I think I'll probably drop down to between two and two and a half grams and and let's see where that goes because i'd like to be able to have some memory or be a little more somehow conscious yeah definitely during, during this experience i'm sure stuff is happening 
I would just like to remember it a little bit, you know? Yeah, it does make sense that um, the ayahuasca sort of undid a knot sort of in your unconsciousness or something that allowed for the the mushrooms to flow a little more or for you to like feel them more like I know as I'm <clears throat> like I use LSD to treat my tinnitus and yeah. I actually had a really rough night last night it just feels like it's right in the core of my skull and I'm like just slowly pulling it out and I'm I have it in my jaw and everything and it just feels like especially last night it felt like there was this point where I almost panicked where it was like okay like once this um like sort of once I fix what I'm trying to heal if I'm because I, I was I was on about 10 tabs last night like I've I've been going pretty hard with um pretty hard yeah yeah just I find that the more I do the more it sort of just floods it floods my ear with just almost like lubricant you know it allows it to open up and pull apart all the congestion and stuff like that so I was I got to a point where it felt like it was sort of about to heal this area and then all of a sudden I was going to feel the full force of 10 tabs of acid and uh, so I was like, I told my girlfriend, like, um, I don't know what this is going to look like, but um, it might, like, I might act a little bit differently here in a, in a minute if I, if it does switch yeah, like that. And how did, how did it go? Um, when you reached that point, did you get that? Well, for a second, I did feel overwhelmed. Like, it, my the when i'm when i have my eyes open i sort of feel this and see this um almost like an overlay or a, a just a layer of senses it, it's like i'm visualizing what i'm hearing in my ear yeah so as i'm getting rid of the the ringing in my ear and the congestion it's sort of I'm watching that um those visuals like slowly go away like they're sort of underwinding knots and like it's like a backlog of trauma that it's sort of like it happened and then it healed as best as it could and then it sort of like just sort of built onto that without right. like actually getting to the core and then healing right through it you know okay um but yeah, last night it just like it was right in my jaw, and it was it was just very painful just trying to open up because it went from sort of the outer ear right into the inner ear. So I'm actually like working um, right at the joint of the jaw, and like if I open my mouth all the way, then it like pinches on a point in my ear, and it's like really painful. So I just have to sort of like slowly open my jaw and sort of work out all those muscles to align them where they're supposed to be you know because i don't know i had a it seems like i had a major head injury that i don't really remember because it just feels like the whole back of my head was sort of like compressed in and everything and i even for one trip i found that i was able to find 
the focus points of my ear. It's like when I was a kid, I was like hit and then I lost focus of my ears, you know, like, you know, uh, with your eyes, you know, if you get hit in the head and you sort of, your vision goes all wonky and and then you have to focus again. It was like that with my ears, but I never got back to focusing. So it felt like I was just sort of, I didn't have a grasp of my surroundings or anything. And I'm so I, I'm getting a grip on it more, but That's last awesome. night was painful. <laughs> that, was, that was a hard night. Yeah. I've, um, from the accident that I was, the car accident I was in really, um, it was full body pain, shoulder. I mean, I landed upside down from the back seat to the front seat under the dashboard and, um, head first. So I was all twisted up, but I certainly had um, TM joint, the worst TM joint pain, you know, forever. I have a dentist, I had a dentist who said, and this was probably in my 40s, who said, you know, I've only sent two other people for surgery on that joint. He said, you would be my third because it was just the clicking, you know, and the catching. So sorry, Um, where is that joint? TM, you said? Yeah your TM joint, it is where your jaw opens up from the back there. Okay. Right by your ear. So if you put your fingers back there and you open your jaw, you can feel that movement. That's your TM joint. Okay. So when people say I have TMJ problems, you've heard that? Uh, no. No? Okay. Yeah, because it's a pretty common problem of people having that joint Well, that issue. sounds like what I have, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's will, it's right will, in I'm, that joint. Yeah, I will send you information. Does that um, cause tinnitus? Um, I don't know if they've ever really, if I've ever heard that they, quote unquote, found the cause for tinnitus. I do believe that that if you have issues with your TM joint, if that's causing inflammation and that inflammation is pressing upon your ear canal, then it would make sense that it could certainly have something to do with it. Yeah, because my whole inner ear was, it sort of felt like, you know how it's sort of a drum, I guess, you know, like it's a cone or whatever. It felt like it was just squeezed and like I could barely get a Q-tip in there and everything. And now I'm like, I'm actually able to get a Q-tip as, as I, I know I'm not supposed to go digging around in my ears, but um, I don't know. When you have tinnitus, you sort of have to. <laughs> like it just, there's times where it just feels like you need to dig around. But I'm able to, like I can get so deep in and it feels good now. Like it's not painful to touch any parts in the inside of my ear. It's just, it's everything feels good like it I'm finally at a point where I'm comfortable with it you know that's excellent getting there anyway the ringing is down I saw a little device recently that um, you can attach to your smartphone and it's a tiny little camera that you can use to look inside of your ear I'm sure you could look at other things as well, but <laughs> it was it was being advertised as something to look in your ear, as a doctor would, and um, I thought 
that that was pretty interesting because I think a lot of people, we wonder, gosh, I clean out my ear. You're not supposed to dig in there. Do I have wax in there? I feel like I can't hear anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it would be kind of cool to be able to look and go, yeah, maybe I do need to go see an ear doctor or somebody <laughs> who yeah. can help. Or does it look fine? And, you know, and then you can be like, oh, nope, I'm good. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> sort of scared that I'll, you know, look at the phone after and then see like a, a bug crawling around in there or something. And... Uh -oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah! they, they do say on average we swallow, what, seven spiders in our lifetime when we're sleeping? So I suppose. <laughs> yeah, who knows about your ears, eh? <laughs> exactly. They're always open. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you're um, into Reiki. What exactly um, level are you at? I've taken my, I've done the level one three times, level two twice over all this time because I would go with other people. You know, I would have friends and I'd be like, let's go do this. Every year, for the last few years, I've thought, oh, I'm going to get my Reiki master this year. But I feel like I haven't yet met the Reiki master that I feel bold to work with, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Because I have certainly found a difference in all the times that I've done other levels. There's certainly a difference in your connection you know, with other beings. But I work with it a lot. And um, I, I think it's fantastic. It's a fantastic healing mode. I had Reiki done, certainly, after my surgery for the first few months. I had um, um, a lot of Reiki done on myself, did it on myself, and, you know, with um, friends who were Reiki practitioners as well. So, yeah, I really think, um, I really think highly of it. Yeah, I, my mind was open to it. Um... I guess recently, um, I've sort of taken a dive off the off the hippie diving board, and right. <laughs> well, with well, all these Reiki, like experiences, well, Reiki, how can you not? Reiki, Reiki is Japanese, so it's a Japanese form of energy healing. Yeah, I, I sorry, I just mean hippie as an energy, you yeah. know. Right. Um, I think really honestly, everybody should. Everybody should be level one Reiki Reiki, you know, just for your own self. Yeah, for your definitely. Family. I mean, really, um, I really think feel strongly about it. At, at so the very least, just to <laughs> just to get in tune with yourself, like not to work on anybody else, just to like figure out your own energies, even hey. Right, and to help open up, open up abilities, you know that that you have that are there, you know, that are within you. And this just helps kind of bring it to your consciousness and, and give you another tool for working on yourself. Definitely. Were there any um, Reiki moments that stand out um, for your uh, breast cancer healing? Um, like, did you use it for that say, purpose? Yeah. Yeah. In general, but, but not, really anything in that um i had um gosh it's probably you know 20 something years ago i had um i have to think for a moment particular a fibroid 
tumor that was on an ovary. It was about the size of a golf ball. And I had just been having pain in that area, so I had it checked out. And they said, well, you know, you could have them surgically removed, but they um, can certainly grow back. Sorry, so uh, you said a tumor. Uh, my girlfriend has uh, has a cyst on her ovary. Would that be the same sort of thing, or is that totally different? I'm, I'm curious. It, it's, it's different, but similar. Okay. I think cysts are, um, don't quote me here. I think a little more um, mushy, and the tumors are a little more dense. Yeah, more uh, so open fine. sores instead of like a, a growing, dense something. Right. Okay. But but yes, but definitely similar. Okay. So um, um, so I just started raking it, and I would you know rake it some just myself every day, work on it, work on it. And then I had it checked. Um, about four months later, and it was gone. So, really? is it coincidence, or did I did I get rid of it? See, I mean, it's not an official study, so I couldn't say. Well, but it certainly was gone. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more power within our minds than we give ourselves credit for. You know, like for oh, any absolutely. for any study, there's always a placebo um, mm -hmm. effect. Sort of, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but um, so there's got to be some sort of power behind that, right? Like there's got to be a, a, a way to tap into that core healing ability of your body. Um, You're right. It, it struck me not too long ago that our bodies are crazy smart. It knows exactly what it has to do. And then the operator seems to be the dumbest part of it. Doesn't it? <laughs> so we just need to and I found a lot of help through psychedelics to um, a open my mind and sort of see that and be be able to put it to work a little bit you know and like when I go into my psychedelic um, therapies like when I focus on something that takes it to the forefront of what I'm trying to do. And it just seems to make it obvious that I can, that there's a power behind it, you know? Absolutely. In fact, uh, I think um, one of uh, Joe Dispenza's book, uh, books is entitled, You Are the Placebo. And so he really works a lot. And if you're not familiar with his work, I definitely suggest you look into it. I think you'd find it very interesting. Yeah. Um, would it's you be able just... to send me a leak, link to oh, something after? Okay. That'd be great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And he has a fascinating healing story. But, um, but I'll send you the link and you can read about it and maybe, maybe – talk of use that for an episode because it really is um fascinating work that he does yeah that sounds cool i'm definitely interested yeah um sorry i just want to touch on reiki a little bit more um yeah. my girlfriend not too long ago probably i guess about a year ago um she just started getting into the whole reiki thing and Excellent. i can't remember 
exactly what level she is. I think she a, a base level anyway. But <clears throat> during one of my first um, high dose LSD trips um, of the, of the past year, so like the ten tabs, uh, she did some Reiki on me while I was tripping. Yeah, and it was wild. Like I don't know if it was sort of my mentality um, playing off the drugs or whatever, but I feel like I felt her, you know, and it, it was very visual. Like I, I saw like this, like it looked like a shield, like a family crest. And it, it was like, we we're sort of like pulling off these vines and stuff from this crest and like, adding her to it in a way and it just felt like very mystical and and like she was sort of peeling off these uh, i don't know strips of energy that were sort of i don't know restricting our relationship in ways or something yeah and i don't know i just found it super it stood out a lot you know, and how did you feel? How did you feel after? What were your kind of after effects? Did you stay connected to that? Yeah, did you feel like I mean, your grew closer. Definitely, I, I feel like I, I sort of let her in more. You know, like I, there is always just me. I've always had sort of a, a trust issue, not just with her, but just like with other partners in general. I, I think it mostly because I didn't trust myself too. So it was just like, well, if I can't trust myself, how can I trust them to, you know? So it was just sort of this cycle. And I feel like it lifted me out of that and was like, <clears throat> let me trust her, you know? And like, stop sort of letting it affect our relationship. If it does happen at some point, deal with it then. <clears throat> but it's doing no good um like constantly thinking about it and letting it get between us you know right because you're also working on manifesting that yeah. if that's what you're always thinking you know well exactly going to leave then it's very likely that that you will help that happen even on some unconscious level i believe that's very true yeah because i was stuck in my head for a long time and it did drive her away and we broke up for uh, almost a year and that was a big um learning experience for me definitely and just i guess coming back from that too definitely helped get over the uh the uh i don't know what it was past traumas or whatever just the uh being able to trust those trust issues yeah, and I think it can be, you know, it can be hard to know. I think children can have moments where things happen where it might, to other people around, it might have, you know, no consequence. I, I think but it it could be as... That moment, you know, could be a huge deal. Yeah. You just never know. I think it could be as simple as just seeing something on TV, too, or seeing, like, 
you know, you're watching a movie and you see like this nice, happy family and then one of them cheats on the other and the family sort of like breaks up. Yeah. It sort of like gives that per- that possibility. <clears throat> like Absolutely. seeing that as a young kid, it, it just opens up that possibility and you're sort of traumatized by it. Oh, absolutely. I know the first movie I recall seeing in a theater, and certainly not when it just came out. I'm sure it was some Saturday afternoon kids stuff, you know. But my parents, maybe grandparents, took me to see Bambi. And I was, you know, really quite young. Um, In that probably four to six time frame. And I was aghast. You know, when Bambi's mom was killed, I was like, why, why are we watching this? Why would, why would the adults in my life bring me to see this? You know, I remember that very clearly thinking, I I can't even understand why this is something that we're watching. It was so overwhelmingly sad. Yeah. And it's before a point where you're sort of able to. Um, justify it or like reason through it or like put a connection between Bambi and her mom and like you and your mom and it's just sort of like this this traumatic event that you leaves you confused (laughs) yeah so so yeah well that's good that you've worked through it I have um, trips at for friends and um, I use Reiki in the during that as well during the trips yeah i found it um very useful so do you find that they're they're more open and more susceptible while tripping trips seem to be deeper maybe a little bit maybe a little more connection yeah i don't do this as a full-time job so just in my handful of times (laughs) you know um it seemed to you know be good learning experiences yeah because i mean for me i i find it so much easier to like meditate especially while i'm tripping like i'm able to just sit there and be present and even if i'm not doing it properly i'm able to sit there for a good 10 minutes and just sort of like picture what's you know going on inside my body and my head and stuff like that i've I think that since my ayahuasca experiences, um, psychedelics kind of have become, you know, journeys, trips have become much more personalized, where it's not something where I'd be like, hey, let's go out to the woods and do some mm-hmm. mushrooms. Definitely. That would not be, that would not be comfortable for me anymore. <laughs> I know that is a fact. Yeah. Um, but LSD, on the other hand, to me, is was always very social you know um so i don't know how i how i feel about that yeah no i agree like when i do mushrooms i don't have any experience with ayahuasca but when i do mushrooms i'm very almost have like cold like symptoms like i my eyes run and my my nose runs and I don't know. I I yawn a lot and I just I don't feel like being out in public. I just want to be in bed and, you know, cuddly and and like listening to music or something. But then like a low dose of LSD, like shit, you're energetic and you're ready to, ready go. to go. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But, and you oh. know, yawning and even probably nose running, eye watering, um, those could also be um, forms of purging. Mm. And particularly, I've heard that about yawning, and certainly um, I do uh, tend to yawn a lot on mushrooms myself. Okay, and uh, did you hear exactly what sort of stuff that's supposed to purge, or it's just, you know what I mean? Like, is it like I think, a... I think that all ends up being, you know, energetic, emotional, you know, right things like things of that nature yeah because it's um, it's clearly not um it's not like maybe just physical like oh let's clean out the sinuses yeah <laughs> this person's sinuses definitely need to be cleaned out <laughs> i do i feel like um it, it's mostly on that um emotional and and energetic level because we are you know beings of energy mm-hmm and we're affected by electricity, we're affected by um, the energy of other people. And they say really, and I think this is interesting, several feet out, one who's in tune can, you know, really feel energy. And I find that the more I worked on, you know, doing Reiki, the more I felt I was in tune to that. I feel since my ayahuasca work, I I feel even kind of more in tune to that. So I think um, I, I find that very interesting. And another thing about um, post-ayahuasca work, I have a lot more, um, um, what's the word, deeper intuition, I think. And if I know someone, if I'm connected to someone, I that's even even more so. Um, a lot more of that, you know, you think about someone and they call or you think and you call them and they go, I was just thinking about you. I find that happens. I find that happens a lot more now. And that's very interesting. Yeah. I've been noticing that a lot too. Just, I think mushrooms, you know, can give you that same level where you're kind of more in tune with things energetically. Well, it's it's cool just thinking that you can pick up on that <clears throat> that energy of somebody just thinking about you, you know. Um, right. Like at at work, I work construction and I run heavy equipment, so we have radios in our equipment, yeah. and <clears throat> so usually we can we have troubles hearing people from across site, like the radios don't pick up that far. Yeah. But, um, yes, two days ago, um, I'm in Saskatchewan and we heard people talking, like people on our crew from 10 hours away. Wow. On like these just radios, like they're not connected to any satellites or anything. They're just, they run off antennas. So it's just wild that 10 hours away we are picking them up like i thought they were working around saskatoon here like when i heard somebody i i recognized i heard one of the voices and yeah it sounded like they're just like they're sort of talking like they just picked up a job around town but then i was talking to the foreman and yeah they're they're 10 hours away out in alberta wow 
And it's just, if that's possible, then, like, it's totally possible that we're able to pick up on each other's energies. Yeah, absolutely. Like, we, we got know, these antennas. One of, those, one of those many rabbit holes you can go down, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wonder in the future if um, there will be a way to sort of communicate amongst each other, you know, to be able to, like, train yourself to tap into that instead of it just being sort of a background uh, sort of thing that you notice afterwards where like oh i was just thinking about him and he texted me but if you could like think about them and then they sort of get this little ping where it's like oh i wonder if they're gonna text me you know right if there's sort of just diving deeper into that and making sort of a practice out of it and maybe that's what astral projecting and stuff like that is all about right I had um, a lot of, I don't know, a lot, six or seven real strong astral projections when I was younger, and I found it, I found it very interesting because it feels very different than dreaming, you know, um, and and I worked for. When it first happened, it happened just as I, when I was a kid on a school bus coming home one day and looking out the window. And all of a sudden, I felt myself rise up and then I was flying like a bird, let's say, over the school bus. Looking down, I could see it. It was crazy. And it kind of freaked me out as a kid because I didn't know anything <laughs> about that. Yeah. You know, what a crazy fucking experience that just was. You know? <laughs> and um, so I'm, I was a big reader as a child. And so I'm, I'm started trying to, you know, find things, you know, that what was that? What could that have been? And that was, of course, long before we had the internet where you could easily probably figure anything out in a day. Yeah. But um, so it took a while, <laughs> you know combing through bookstores and um, and so kind of learned about it that way and say in my um, late teens early 20s would was practicing it you know was really working on being able to do it more on demand and I got to where I could some but man it took it took a lot of energy and I in some of my readings, a um, little later on, I read that someone who is depressed has an easier ability to do that. And I can't remember now, there was a reason. But as, you know, I got older and then I had kids and, you know, while I still was dealing with lower level depression, you know, you have other things going on in your life. And so I kind of lost, well, first of all, the time to spend <laughs> meditating for maybe two or three hours to get to that point of being able to do this. But um, but it can be done, and it does feel very different from dreaming. You're conscious, you know, you're not asleep. So fascinating. Another thing, do you ever get that um, sleep paralysis? No, but my girlfriend does. So um, that is actually 
a good jumping off point for astral projection. Okay. If you can if you can let go of the fear, you know, that one fear feels when you're like that. So your body's asleep, but your mind is more conscious. And so if you can let go of the fact that your body's asleep and it's fine, um, then this is from my readings, is that it was a good point to be able to jump off into astral projection. And lucid dreaming at the same time? Or? There, I feel like they're two different things because one has more feeling. It's like you can feel. The other one, you know, in dreams, I don't know that you can like feel as much. Right. But in projecting, you have, you can feel forces against what would be your body. Of course, you don't have one, but you can feel forces more. Wind, let's say, or if you get pulled back into your body, there's a feeling that pulls you back. Um, I lost my train of thought. No worries. Uh, Can I take it back to (laughs) where you said um, that you read about depression, um, sort of allowing for people to enter that? that And it it may have to do more with um, your brain waves, where your brain waves are at the time. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to look it back up because this is something I read, you know, 40 years ago, so I can't give you real clear info yeah. on that. Yeah, it just sounds but like it's it sort of you're when you're in that depressed state of mind, you're probably more okay with another reality taking over. That as well, right? So and maybe oftentimes even. Even wanting that, even thinking that, you know, I wish I had a different reality. Yeah. So that might make that easier. I think that's where uh, ketamine is supposed to be pretty helpful, too. Yeah. Is it just like, yeah, I've, I've only done it once and it was just a small dose, but definitely felt a lot of relief. Just like a lighter feeling. Just more open and flowy and sort of just not. You know, I, I'm not like super depressed, but you know, I do f- feel the weight of the world once in a while. You know, right? So well, and it's hard not—it's hard not to definitely. If you're, if you're a loving, you know, giving, caring kind of person, yeah, empath, <laughs> and it can be very hard to watch atrocity after atrocity and go, how how can another human be that way? How can yeah. another human? feel like that action is okay in any way and just brush it off and be like okay well it happened you know like or they or feel good about it and then they do it over and over and over and you're like what (laughs) so i feel that a lot you know certainly so it helps to meditate and kind of focus on on working on yourself on bringing up your own energy levels you know I think almost daily. I don't meditate every day. I go through periods of being able to do it every day. I like to meditate every day. But um, even if you can just spend, you know, 15, 30 minutes really focusing and and focusing on good. You know, I don't try to just blank out my mind. Uh, My mind is way too active. It's such a struggle (laughs) to have a blank mind. But to kind of focus in my meditation on... um, life as I would like to see it. Yeah. Manifest the good. 
Right. Send out the love. Yeah. Um, uh, we were talking about your past and um, uh, like abuse and stuff like that. Oh, crap, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, do you think that sort of stuff um, played into the, I guess, development of the cancer? Like, do you think that sort of... I think that... Like, I it gave that... the uh, the environment for it to happen. I think, um, certainly, but I think that um, for several years prior to my diagnosis, I had just become um, more and more kind of unhappy personal life stuff going on, stuff in family, you know, okay. even if it wasn't particularly me, painful things in, with family members and kind of being around a lot of that. And I started to feel, you know, a lot less joy, a lot less joy. And probably for the year before my diagnosis, I probably had a fairly steady mind mind talk of, you know, if I just died, yeah. then, <laughs> then I wouldn't have to deal with any of this anymore, you know? Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't, I'm going to kill myself at all. Although certainly as a teenager, I went through you know, many suicidal years, but okay. this was not that. This was just, you know, that death could be just a relief. Well, maybe that was playing into your like the placebo effect as well, but um, exactly to the I negative think. side where you're uh, almost telling your body, okay, like that's okay. Like we can end right. this now. Right. No. And I absolutely think that played into it a lot. So a hundred percent. Cause like that makes sense what cancer would be, right? Like a cancer is within all of us. And it's just like this seems like the body's way of shutting itself down in its own sort of way. Um, well, and there's a good um, school of thought that's called German New Medicine. You can look it up on YouTube. And um, this doctor who came up with this certainly feels like all cancers are an emotional response to trauma. Okay. Now, that um, I don't have an opinion on that is 100% true or not. I've read, trust me, millions of studies on all kinds of things. And this is just something I've come across in my, in my readings. And it certainly does make sense. But, um, and he says certainly in his experience this was 100% of the time found to be true in the people he dealt with with cancer. And beyond that, it was kind of very specific. If one had breast cancer, depending on what kind of breast cancer, that was kind of a specific trauma. If you had bladder cancer, that was a kind of different specific trauma. And um, I have certainly 
listen to videos on this and in attempting to learn more, but it is a lot of information and I don't feel like, you know, I can speak to it with um, too much <laughs> because I don't feel like I've learned enough to do that. I can just kind of give you the idea of it, right. but it's worth looking, worth looking into. And again, my gut feeling, how I felt was I kind of felt like uh, my emotions had certainly helped to spur this cancer on. And then, and certainly that was part of my healing was to make a decision of, all right, so am I going to keep living like dealing with this in this way? Or am I going to do something where I can make big enough changes that I don't feel like that anymore? Right. So and maybe ayahuasca, ayahuasca was certainly very helpful in not only relieving um, stored up cellular trauma, but also with the neuroplasticity, allowing your brain to really be able to make some different pathways. So you're not constantly stuck in these same old thoughts that you've always been stuck in that you can't seem to get rid of <laughs> you know? yeah and otherwise like ruminating, ruminating on this or that or oh my gosh and that's such a bad thing or that thing happened and oh, i'm so mad about that and it's been you know four years since that happened you know yeah but you're still about it things of that nature you know to where you can really put that aside put that stuff to bed open up new pathways and and work on thinking in a different way yeah in a past episode, I talked to somebody about, um, I think it was Lisa, about um, how traumas are sort of like if you have a tree growing and then you put a blockage, like so, like something above it, and it has to grow around that. Um, so it's still growing and it's still alive, but it's got that, that kink in it. And then it's growing, right. growing, and then all of a sudden there's another trauma, and then boom, there's another kink in it. And what I feel like psychedelics does is it goes right into, like, depending what you're doing, but it goes, like, right into the, the root causes of that. And it's able to pull out those, um, those traumas and, like, unkink the, the tree and, you know, allow it to flow better and do what it needs to do. I think so. Definitely. Because like I said, I've, you know, certainly done a lot of healing in my life, you know, conscious, you know, children of, adult children of alcoholic meetings and studying codependency and, and all that, you know, I spent a, a lot of years working on, you know, what I early recognized were some mental health issues. <laughs> but I think there really are some things that can just stick in there that no matter how much intellectually you work on it, you know, it's very difficult to, to really let it go. Yeah. On uh, some un unconscious level. End of part two. Make sure to subscribe and listen to the rest of Catherine's story in part three. If you have a comment or anything you'd like to share in the podcast, email me at twotemplespodcast at gmail.com. The best way to support Two Temples is by sharing the podcast with your friends and on social media. Thanks again to Catherine for sharing, and thank you for listening. Ciao for now.